Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Good afternoon to you. It's Thursday. It's the 27th of July, and this is The Call. I'm Nadine Blaney, and it's wonderful to be here with you. So this is the program 60 Minutes, although we're running a little over. 10 stocks picked by you, two expert guests, and a stock of the day. Sometimes we get bonus buys as well. You never know. You'll have to stay tuned to find out. Joining me in studio, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct. Hello, Hello. Grady. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm, I'm in a while. pretty well. <laughs> and Mark Moreland from Team Invest. Hey, friend, I saw you just a few days ago. Thanks for stepping in. Really appreciate it. Yes, lucky me. All right. Lucky me, I mean. Let's get across our first five (laughs) stocks, the ones we'll be talking about in this first half hour. And look, our producer, my lovely producer, Rima, uh, decided to give us a little bit more analysis on some companies that either reported quarterlies today, put out market updates today, and in the case of Macquarie, holding an AGM. So, yeah, we've got Alchem, we've got Champion Iron, we have Megaport. Now, Megaport's on fire so far today, Macquarie and Sandfire Resources. So, looking forward to all of that, but I get to pick the stock of the day. And I picked corporate travel management, and I'll tell you why. Uh, yesterday it came out with guidance, brokers looking to be pretty impressed with it. It's one of the day's best performers so far. Uh, UBS has weighed in saying that the view coming from corporate travel itself looks to be a bit conservative. So it's FY2024 earnings is likely to be consensus also according to City Analyst. Uh, so yeah, we've got UBS lifting its price target by two and a half percent. We've got City, uh, yeah, saying that it's likely to beat consensus. So there's quite a lot of positivity towards good old CTD right now. But I also chose it because, of course, we have been getting a lot of information from the travel space. Uh, I know I was chatting with an analyst the other day, really liking Hello World. Um, we've seen a Flight Center updating the market ahead of earnings season. And, you know, Qantas CEO, for one, saying that business and leisure travel will continue to pick up. I even was speaking with the CEO of a private travel company just yesterday who said that, yeah, they're seeing a lot of demand, even despite the slowdown in consumer discretionary spending. So I'll go to my guest, Mark Moreland from Team Invest first off this one, because I know that you travel a lot for mm. pleasure and business. Yep. It, it, the, the woman I was speaking to last, yesterday, Lorna from APT Travel, said a lot of people don't look at travel as discretionary anymore. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I don't consider it discretionary at all. I, I basically do about four international trips a year and I do heaps and heaps of domestic. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a, but I always have. It's funny, not just in Team Invest, all through my business career, it, since I was little, little, it's always had a lot of travel. So to me, it's just, it's just normal. You were in business when you were little. I, I went to my first business I started <laughs> I mean, when I was 16. young Sheldon. I was a dropout. I was a dropout. Okay. So um, <laughs> does that help inform your view of these travel stocks and where Absol- they are headed? Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you can see it firsthand. I hate, I hate Qantas. 
for instance. <laughs> so anyway, I, I was gonna. I'm just gonna let you I'm go still, out there. I'm with still that. using them, but you know they they they've got such they're really gouging. That's really annoying. Anyway, um, corporate travel was a very good choice. It's a very very uh, interesting business. It's been a wealth winner for Team Invest for a long time. So uh, I'm a shareholder as well. So I'll, and I, I bought quite a lot in March, at the bottom of COVID, okay. in the seven dollar range. A lot of our members did because we had enormous confidence in Jamie Ferris, the CEO, and the way how the business was. We're, the way we look at it is a five-year horizon. Remember, so we're we're saying we're not saying are there any is going to be up in the next reporting period or whatever. Don't really, don't really care. The view was that uh, corporate travel was doing 77, 77 cents in two thousand nineteen EPS. Um, it's now seventeen cents, apart from what they've just announced, which I haven't read. Um, and the business is probably twice the size now what it was when it went into COVID because of the acquisitions they've made. And they made some very, very good ones, particularly in the US, uh, where they bought a travel and leisure, I think it's called, uh, very, very cheaply, which was enormously complementary to their footprint in the US and so on. So coming out of travel, coming out of uh, COVID, once we're back to normal, and it is taking longer than I expected, but it, it is what it is, in another two years, It'll be back to normal, I'll bet, and maybe even sooner than that. Corporate travel will be probably twice the size it was uh, going into COVID, and we're making twice the amount of money it was making going into COVID. So the way I think you need to look at it, because it's currently on a PE of 113, which is, is ludicrous, yeah. but that's on the 17 cent earnings. I, I actually did some numbers on it and said, if I normalize it back to pre-COVID, don't put any growth in at all for the acquisitions and just assume they go back to what they were earning uh, when we went into COVID, the PE is about 24 on that. Um, I'm very bullish on the, mm. the future of their profitability and growth. I think it's going to be really good. But there's a fair, there's a reasonable amount of that in the price already. That's uh, what I was going to ask. There is, there is. Yeah. So, but I, I'm not, I haven't bought any more, uh -huh. but I'm not selling. Yeah. So on a five-year horizon, I'm very, very happy to be a, uh, have a decent position in corporate travel. I wouldn't say, um, I mean, you could buy it now. I'm just not saying it's definitely not a sell. It's a hold for me, mm -hmm. um, but I'm very confident in the future of the business. And it's, I think it's way better than uh, Flight Centre because it went into COVID in much, much stronger position than Flight Centre did, even though Flight Centre didn't have any debt at the time. Uh, because of all their store network, you know, they suddenly had a massive bleed, which corporate travel didn't have. They shut down half the network. They did a massive capital raise. You know, so there's the, I think Flight Centre's got like 40% more shares than it had bef before COVID. So it's been, you've been done diluted significantly it's done the hello world deal as well but i still think corporate travel is a much more efficient focused business than um flight center flight center is okay yeah but i think um corporate travel is good okay so that's a hold personally you wouldn't oh you, well, you, you, you could buy it now buy you could now. buy it now it's not too yeah. like the p is not too crazy i'm not worried about the p yeah. I, think, I think you can't look at it that way okay. all right yeah, so. got it um is all the good news in the price of corporate travel it's similar view. Um, we're looking at the travel sector in general and looking at the price, the share chart from just before, and it's not at its five-year highs again yet. And the outlook is so strong for travel. We know everyone is sick of Zoom. Everyone is over. Um, everyone just wants to get on a plane. So, and look at the prices at the moment. Again, Qantas is price gouging. There's no denying that. Yeah. But a lot of companies around the world actually have 
deals and just like I know our company just books with Qantas. So understanding that and understanding the demand for travel is so high and it's not expected to come down anytime soon. We definitely see upside potential in this company and it's obviously trading a bit lower over the last five years. So it has room to grow. Um, you can't look at the PE again, as Mark said, you can't look at the PE. It's trading on uh, 113 times, which is just ridiculous. So um, looking back at the earnings potential and given the fact that it's come out with the um, almost doubled EBITDA guidance is just insane. So it just goes to show that they're benefiting. Well, we're look, looking at the revenue breakdown as well. So they're really benefiting from European travel at the moment because the weakness is in Australia uh, for this company, but they're definitely seeing a surge in revenue in the U European uh, Union and European region, especially in the UK is really offsetting the weakness in Australia. So again, once Australia comes back online, then Bob's your uncle. <laughs> okay, so is it a buy at this price? Yeah. Got it. Thank you, guys. I'm going to call that a double buy. Yeah, yeah. You, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Good. All right. Thanks, Mark. Because you're not going to like what I've got to say about the rest. <laughs> okay, well, there okay, you go. Here we go. Way to keep people tuned in. Gosh, I got a few things to teach him after all of these. You can to me. <laughs> Let's get to the first stock, and this is from Tony. Tony, thanks for writing in. Remember, this is information only. This isn't personal financial advice. Alkin is... Uh, yeah, a company that reported its quarterly production today. A bit disappointing. In fact, last I checked, it was one of the uh, the companies that were coming under pressure on market. It is. It's down by about three quarters of 1%. So production going well, it's price realized that was the weight. What do you think of Alcom? We like the long-term outlook for Alchem. Um, we have a buy rating with a price target of $19.20 per share. Um, the team of Bell Potter actually went and visited the Oleros site in North Argentina recently. Oh, wow. They said, but but they said it was overshadowed by the announcement on the day before of the right. live uh, merger. Yeah. So they were like. Why are we here? Yeah. <laughs> but understanding that, um, Bell Potter actually has an alternative view on the merger in that they don't believe that all can shareholder ownership of the new co, which is the company yeah. they're um, obviously forming, um, the stronger earnings profile. So they're saying that all can will come off secondhand to live end in this. But understanding that the um, the way in which the merger deal is going ahead it really benefits Allchem in a number of ways. So we see it as a deal provides increased downstream expertise, which is not a strength of Allchem's at the moment, um, and improve access to a lot of markets. So the it's kind of deemed as the merger of all mergers. Really, it's a merger of equals. So the, um, they also have the lithium extraction technology that's been operating for 20 years, and that's Livent. So they're bringing that to Allchem. So it's going to be an operational efficiency uh, focus kind of thing of the mergers. So we do like what we're seeing. Um, Allchem as a standalone company already has real strength in the market. Lithium isn't going anywhere. So we're going to see continued strength for the company moving forward. Um, obviously the results out weren't the best, um, but we're seeing the James Bay approvals and permitting process is in progress. So that's another mine coming online for the company. Um, and the Oleros production was actually a beat. So we got stage two coming online there as well. So understanding all of that, um, and they're expecting se September sales to be stronger. So putting all that together, it's a buy rating at the moment. Okay, buy on Alchem. Would you be buying Alchem when you think about the amount of EVs that are getting built? No. Uh, that's because supply, no. No. price? No. Why? <laughs> <laughs> now we're interested in the business, and and the 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 tailwind of for lithium and EVs is there without a doubt. Yeah. So no question about it. There's heaps of players. 
So you've got to choose yeah. if you, we don't back thematics, we don't say, oh, we're going to invest in lithium. What uh-huh. we do is we, we look at the businesses and if it's a business that we trust the management and they're making money out of lithium or going to, you know, that, then you might consider it. We don't do it the other way around. Mm. So um, uh, uh, this company, it's got some things about it that are, are okay. It, it's in, based in Argentina. It has several um, various from minority to controlling interests of other companies, which makes it a lot more complicated. Mm. You know, to, I, so it's way beyond my pay grade in that it's mm-hmm. not my circle of competence to be able to make any judgments on those. I started trying to look them up and it's like, yeah. it's just, it's too hard. It was because, born out of a merger yeah, outcome yeah. itself. Yeah, so, right? so it's a complex, complex structures. It's in a good part, it's in a sexy part of the market, sure. Uh, it's return on equity is okay. So if you look at the numbers, earnings jumped up dramatically uh, since uh, 2021 from, from being um, negative 22 cents to now being a $1.05. So before that, it was all over the place. So there's no stability, which is understandable <clears throat> for the nature of the business. So look, it, it's, it's, uh, we're showing it returning based on conscious investors calculations of between 1% per year on a margin of safety and 28% per year on our default. And the range is so big because of all the variables and the lack of stability. So it's, it doesn't, it's not bad. It's not like it's um, uh, pre-revenue or anything like that. And it's in a good place. But I, for me, it's a, it's a pass as in I can't be intelligent about it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Um, look, you should invest in something that you understand. understand. I mean, yeah. that's a very is good a advice. Rule of thumb. Yeah. Uh, although you can't get advice. And as we said, this is information only. So along those same lines, then our second pick today is Champion Iron. CIA is a ticker code. And this has been picked by Pratham. Uh, thank you uh, for picking this one. Um, look, do you understand Champion Iron's business any better? Well, it's a little bit easier to understand. It's in Canada, in Quebec. Um, it's if you look at the numbers, it's um, it's about a three billion market cap. It's got one point five billion in sales and makes two hundred twenty one million in earnings. So it's a profitable it's a profitable business. That's a good start. Um, its PE is about fifteen, which for an iron ore uh, producer, that's on the high end of the scale. I would argue, if you look at BHP and Rio and others that uh, are less than that. But look. It's, it's numbers look right. It's uh, return on equity is about 16%. hasn't got much debt. Uh, growth rates running at 60, 61% over the last six years, but stability is a bit off, you know. So for us, but that's typical when you're a price taker, mm-hmm. and so on. So look, it looks alright. Um, it's not something we would look at. I've never looked at it, and it's paying about three and a half percent yield as well. So. There you go. I'll let Grady make a comment on that. So you would not be investing in this? No, it's just not, it's an outside area. Yeah, okay. Uh, Champion Iron, what's the view? Champion Iron's a buy. Um, I go with consensus. So Macquarie and City recently upgraded it to a buy. Um, it obviously plays in the iron ore sector, which has come under pressure recently given China's uh, weakened we can ramp up to full operational capacity. We know China is set to announce um, a new policy tomorrow or Some this week. Some sort of stimulus, yeah. Hopefully this week. We're not expected to be whiz-bang, but still yeah. um, positive. Yeah. So any positivity is good positivity to reignite demand of iron ore, especially out of China, one of the, the world's biggest importer of iron ore. So the company um, obviously operates in Quebec, as Mark said. Um, there, where the results are out actually tomorrow through the investor call. Um, there, we're expecting lower. Uh, a few disruptions are set to impact the results, though, because they did have fires in Quebec, mm-hmm. which impacted the um, 
the train line, so they couldn't get it. They had about three weeks of delay uh, expected to be announced and rising costs as well, but they're expected to remain elevated for a while, especially on the freight route. So out of Brazil and China, that's increased. So um, going through there, that's a rising cost. It's obviously a headwind on the uh, operational for all the freight front. Um, as Mark said, trading at a, a P of 14, um, Amongst all the miners, I thought the PE average was about 18. So, yeah, so given it's below um, the average, it kind of says there's a bit of undervalue there from city's perspective or, or everyone's perspective. So there is upside potential given cash costs are set to normalise for the company over the coming years, as well as they're expected to successfully hit 15 million tonnes per annum in the December quarter this year. So that CY23. So understanding all of that and understanding the tailwinds expected in the iron ore price, uh, yeah, we actually do like this company um, and they had quarterly so for FY23 results they had quarterly uh, well the Q4 FY23 um, revenue was down just on the realized prices of iron ore um, they had record quarterly production of wet um, wet iron ore metric tons they had record record concentrate sales and record yearly sales so understanding all of that and if they continue to go from strength to strength at the same time the price of iron ore comes back then it's a pretty good company to look at and it's also 14 percent down year-to-date and share price so yeah it has come under a lot yeah, of pressure it's come under pressure so it's a good opportunity it's convincing <laughs> all right we'll see, been been a lawyer. Lawyer. <laughs> see you on any others Jeez, make her work for it all right uh, megaport so this is an interesting one i'm just going to check its share price and just to time stamp this we're just you know 12 20 here in sydney on this thursday afternoon but up by 10 percent and i say that because it can be quite volatile this share price but today out with its uh, quarterly and look, the market is eating it up. So fundamentally, uh, how are the analysts looking at Megaport? It's a hold at the moment, okay. uh, just because obviously we had the new CEO come yeah. in. Um, they've it's undergone. very volatile. It's very yeah. volatile. It's a story that you want to see succeed and it's in the right place at the right time. AI, cloud services, it's literally in the right place where everyone's seeing AI is booming. Microsoft driven to records, record quarterly sales because of AI. Um, and so Megaport is definitely in this place. And all the brokers are seeing that the positive reads from Google and Microsoft results will definitely be a tailwind for Megaport and the likes of Megaport. But again, the company had to go through cutting 35% of its headcount last year because of costs were so high. They burned through money. It's too early in this process of a new strategic review and a new CEO to put a buy rating on because we just want to see what the outlook looks like for the next six six months, one year, five years before chucking a buy rating on it. So I think, uh, yeah, it's a hold at the moment at the current rate because it's playing in the right space at the right time. Tech is coming back. But yeah, until we see the kind of go-to-market strategy, on ongoing strategy. Um, yeah, I want to I want to digest all of that first before putting a buy okay. rating on it. All right, so let's uh, get to your view on Megaport. Uh, well, if you look at their business model, that what they are is they're like a they put themselves in between companies and the choices with cloud suppliers and so on. So they have a system of being able to help you shop where you want and to, yeah, to get the lower prices on short term, which is it's like an aggregation mm-hmm. type uh, model, which shouldn't be capital intensive that much, I wouldn't have thought, once you build your platform. But yet they're very capital intensive mm-hmm. and they spent 40, 40 million last year on CapEx and it's mm-hmm. been 
going up every year. It was 16 million the year before, 14 million the year before that. And last year, they actually made a loss of 48 million on 109 million in sales. Yeah. Which is, so we're, and they've been listed for seven years, which means they were already an operating business probably before they were listed anyway. So you'd ask the question of, you know, when do they actually, when do they turn what this should be a low CapEx business model into making money? Um, so, and then we've got management changes as well, which I didn't know about that. Yeah. But, um, so I wouldn't go near it. It's, uh, it's got a long way to go to, now, Maybe they're, hitting, they're going to hit some critical mass here where they're now going to start making money, but it's, yeah. I, I can't see where it's coming anytime soon. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we don't have a lot of patience for companies that don't no, make money. No, we don't. Uh, Particularly right. with you know, stories and being in the right place, like, okay, great, so what? Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty yeah. of companies in the right place, but there's not many who can actually do well and give a decent return to shareholders. There, you said it. All right, let's get to the next company on our list, and that is Macquarie. So this has been picked by Yash. So Yash, we we put your request a little bit up on the list because, of course, we do have the AGM from Macquarie, and I'm just getting some of the detail out because they're warning mm -hmm. that uh, they're seeing weaker trading conditions, substantially lower first quarter FY24 net profit compared to a year ago. So the annuity style business um, and the banking and financial services have posted a combined first quarter uh, net profit contribution that's been significantly down. So it's just talking about investment related income. Um, banking and financial services was significantly up on the prior corresponding period. So look, it's Macquarie. It's uh, you know much loved in the market, but today the share price is down by more than 4%. So the question then becomes, uh, fundamentally, do you like Macquarie? Uh, is it on sale today, Mark? Um, well, that's a, that's a hard one to say yes or no. <laughs> Macquarie has been very successful. And if you look at the history, and the total shareholder return for the last decade, I looked it up this morning, has been just over 24% per year. That's spectacular. Mm. So it's been a real winner for shareholders over the last decade. Um, having said that, um, it's a very complicated business. It's very difficult to understand. We've tended to give it a wide berth because uh, we like to understand the businesses we're investing in. Macquarie is really, I always took the view that what you were doing is you were investing in the management team who are very highly incentivized to do deals and make money, and they've consistently done that. Mm -hmm. So there's a history there of, um, uh, of making money, is really the point. Um, they've got very, very high debt levels, which, and I'm not sure how, uh, how that's structured. They're about 400% debt to equity and about 200% debt to market cap, which is very high. Does that high. matter if it's a Macquarie, well, if it's a bank, if yes it's a commodity trader, it's what, what I don't it's an infrastructure? Know. Well, normally what, with a bank, uh, debt is, if, you, if you're using it as uh, lending, so if they're credit cards and all the other, that's not a liability, that's, a, that's an asset. Exactly. So that's not in there. Yeah. So I wouldn't think. Yeah. So that must be, uh, I would think, uh, their joint ventures and the partnerships and all the things they do, which they leverage up. Now that, if that's true, then the issue with that, of course, is interest rates have gone up now. We're up, we've gone up very, very significantly, and that's going to be a drag on them going forward as well. They were saying that there's been you know, M&A, and the thing, deals have been down. Goldman Sachs never came out in the same thing in the US as well. So you know, it's been, it hasn't been a great time lately uh, for, the, for deal makers, and the, these guys are consummate deal makers. So uh, hard to say uh, whether it's a, a buy or not. Um, I'm, I'm not a shareholder and we haven't done any uh, significant work on it. Okay, so on the outlook saying remaining uh, in a cautious stance, conservative approach to capital, yeah. funding, liquidity positions, 
um, yeah. you know, just to respond to the current environment. But um, look, flagging as well, a range of factors. So global economic conditions, obviously we know about the headwinds by rising interest rates, saying that um, yeah, the completion rate of transactions, the geographic composition of earnings and FX, and potential tax or regulatory changes. So it sounds like a pretty, pretty conservative Macquarie at this point, but it's also got a history of underperforming, over-delivering. Yep. Exactly. Um, it's a hold at the moment. I go with consensus. So City, Ordmanet, most of them are holds at the moment, just because, again, um, the expectation is for weaker conditions and softer conditions. And the fact that such a big company is saying they're bracing for Tough, tough times says that it, we're likely to hit tough times. <clears throat> and so, but the interestingly breaking down their revenue. So there's so much to Macquarie. It's not oh, just yeah. a, like, honestly, I was looking at every division. I was like, I didn't even know they did commodity division. Like, oh yes, very, very big. <laughs> That's been responsible for a lot of their profits Exactly, lately, yeah. and so they've benefited from that. It's from the uptick in the price of gas and um, energy and power. Um, but I was like, what is this? This company does everything. But they also- I've got a book have, I'll lend you. I would love the, the book. history of Macquarie. After okay. this, I'd love to get the book. <laughs> but um, looking at their, uh, their home loan cert portfolio was up 2% because we're seeing a lot of switching between uh, all of the lenders. So switching is up a lot of their, um, the, which Macquarie have obviously benefited from. Um, their car portfolio is down 8%. As we know, car purchasing is uh, discretionary. So that's coming down. Um, banking service deposits was down 1%. So it's not material, it's not material movements. But again, if they're saying this is okay and then we're bracing for bad, then it kind of says that it's going to be tough. So a hold rating just to weather this storm and see how they go through it. Um, and then obviously see what the outlook is for interest rates moving forward globally. But yeah, at the moment, hold rating. Um, updates coming today from City from UBS in the wake of this. Um, City has a $175 price target. UBS has a buy rating still and a $200 price target on Macquarie, which is trading uh, at $175 around about. By the way, so. on our models, on our defaults, is about 15% compound return at the current price. Yeah. So it's another way of looking at it, which yeah. is still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but you'd be avoiding it right I'll now. I'll say hold. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, no, I'm oh, yeah. Hold. I don't think anybody's selling the no. Macquarie no. right now. No. Hold, hold. Okay. Two holds. Let's get to the last on uh, this, uh, you know, this this half, and that is Sandfire Resources. Uh, Sandfire Resources is one of the best performers today. It uh, reported its quarterly. It's in the copper space. Um, look, it's talking about uh, all of its different commodities. So it does have a bit of lead, does have a bit of zinc, but really, it's it's the copper that everybody's interested in. And we saw copper output coming in at close around about eighty four thousand tons. For the full year, anyways. Mm-hmm. So, uh, do you guys like Sandfire? I go with a hold. Um, Sandfire's been around for a very long time. Bell's actually ceased coverage of the company back in 2021. Um, they're in a Again, good spot at a good time. We're seeing the increasing uh, reliance and uh, increasing appetite for copper around the world, given the EV movement and its uh, use in EV vehicles. But the first half results I looked at, and it made a loss of 27.1 million. Net debt is at 378 million US dollars. It it has burnt through money for years and years and years, and it keeps putting their hand out for more money from uh, shareholders. And again, it's failed to really make a mark on the market. So um, it's, I think it's a hold at this rate because it is playing copper and it's definitely um, moving into the copper space more and more. So it's looking to uh, ramp up its production at its 
in Botswana, the Mothio copper mine, Mothio, I don't know, Mothio copper mine, um, and it had its first copper concentrate produced at the end of May. So that's a really good start for the company coming on its new mine, getting in the new region of Botswana for them. Um, and they're expected to ramp up to 3.2 million tons per annum of copper concentrate. So again, that's good because of the reliance and the copper prices coming up as well, um, how it plays into the EV space. But again, it's been around for a very long time and it's burnt a lot of money. So a hold until it starts to prove itself. Okay. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of enthusiasm around copper. Yeah. Uh, obviously with the decarbonization of the economy. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of people in that race. Yeah, exactly. A lot of money being spent there as well. And uh, just looking at some of the broker calls. So City is neutral. UBS has buy. Macquarie outperform. Morgan Stanley equal rate, uh, but these are all ratings that were given pre uh, this mm. latest production report. So we'll see. Um, Sandfire Resources. Uh, I, I sort of agree with that in that the it's 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 been fleecing shareholders for uh, over a decade, so uh, and hasn't it's always been going to be good. And I've heard the story lots of times with Sandfire, different stages. Now <laughs> they're concentrating more on uh, their on their copper interests, which is the opportunity in the market, of course, to do that. Whether they can actually um, actually get the return on capital up to something worthwhile to get, it'll give shareholders a good return remains to be seen. At the moment, they're on 7.7% return on capital. And if you compare that to like, mineral resources, the 21 average for the last decade, and they're trying to move up to 25, and that's a quality business. I don't class this as a quality business. I think um, uh, what they may do all right. We're showing it returning about 1% a year on its, on its current forecast performance based on its history, which is obviously you wouldn't do it mm -hmm. if you believe that. So you have to believe that they're going to now start making money. Bit of a skeptic, hope. Here, I think. No, yeah. well, it's hope. And, and hope's not a really good strategy. I've just found hope doesn't work. Yeah, okay. Uh, that was for him. So thank work. you for writing in, everybody who picked those first five stocks. <laughs> uh, let's go through what we've learned. Uh, stock of the day. It is a double buy that will be going to the next edition of the investment committee. So we'll have some water under the bridge being reporting season between now and then, but we've got a good heads up from corporate travel. Uh, Mark is a very long-term shareholder. He reckons it's a wealth winner. I should say since COVID, I mean, okay. Wait, no, we always thought Stand it was working yeah, pre-COVID yeah. and we still yeah, do. Okay, good. Um, the outlook is very strong for travel according to Grady and so, <laughs> She's also got a buy on the stock. So there you go, double buy because it gets a bit more negative from here. Alchem, look, um, Mark would just pass on this one. He doesn't understand the business very well and he doesn't buy themes, you know, the EV theme, broadly speaking, lithium, broadly speaking. It's a buy, though, for Grady and the team at Bell Potter. The analysts there just pointing to, you know, uh, downstream uh, expertise being brought on by this merger of equals, she called it, with improved access to markets. Uh, yeah, so looking at a buy rating on the stock. Champion Iron is also a buy at Bell's. Uh, it's a pass though for Mark Moreland. Again, you know, maybe understands the business a bit better, Iron Ore, but he, uh, he, he says profitability is a tick, but yeah, he just wouldn't be investing there himself. Megaport, he'd avoid it. In fact, he said he wouldn't go near it. Capital intensive, too capital intensive for its for where it is on its journey. 
uh, just to, to put one of his comments out there. And it's a hold for, for Grady. Uh, and Macquarie, both of my guests would be holding it. Uh, clearly, we are in an environment where it is facing some headwinds, but uh, yeah, it's a rare person who would sell Macquarie when it's had such a history of performance. And Samfire Resources, you just heard what they had to say. So that's a no from Mark Moreland and Team Invest. And it is a hold from Grady Wolf and Team at Bells. All right, that brings us to the halfway mark. So we are, yeah, getting that new portfolio put together. It was picked by our investment committee. We'll get the new uh, episode for you at osbiz.com.au on Tuesday, post RBA. Here's a look. Will we see the investment <clears throat> committee spend some cash? Will they kick out one of the retailers that's in there? Will they stick by high growth tech. How will they get more growth into this portfolio? It's up just 7% on a cumulative return basis since the beginning of March 2022, I should say. So here we go. We will see what our investment committee will be looking at. Uh, we'll have to wait to September for their verdict on corporate travel management. But what happens is all of the companies that get a double buy in this program get put to the investment committee. Likewise, if it's a double sell and it's in the portfolio, uh, you know, we ask them, we put it to them, should they be um, selling out of anything? So looking forward to getting across that new episode of the investment committee Tuesday, just after market close. Well, in the next half hour, we will be discussing Smart Pay. We will be discussing Misa Blast, Levisa, which is in the portfolio, Austell out with a shocking update yesterday on guidance, and Paladin Energy. So again, uh, yeah, going back to the miners. All right, let's get going, shall we? Jane, I believe that's how you say it, has written in about Smart Pay. And so I'll start with you, Grady, on this one, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So we have a buy on SmartPay. Uh -huh. We've just recent, recently initiated coverage of the company and a price target of $2.16. Now, it's a really strong company. It's a it's a staple in the retail and any expenditure space. It's got 45,000 FPOS terminals in New, across New Zealand, Trans-Tasman, Australia as well. Um, and they... Provide, they have two um, revenue streams. So they have the obviously terminal services through the FPOS equipment, licensing, all of this, and then software. And then they have a transaction processing service. So they get a share in the fee of every transaction. So that's a double tick. So they have two streams of revenue. We like that. Um, the company also, so they have the end-to-end -end payment solution. So that's another, obviously what you want to see with anyone in operating in this space. It's a staple service. You're always going to need to pay for things. So again, it's operating in that um, market. Um, we really like the company because a lot of their their, fi their costs are fixed. So they don't have many variable costs. So we know what we're going to get on a cost basis every year. Um, they have additional revenue sources through the deployment of the next generation Android devices. So they're going to operate into that and expand into that, which could see them replace all of their fleet in New Zealand, which is a really good thing because then you look at that. And then they have attractive unit economics. So every unit that they have has a life of around seven years so that before they need to be replaced. And it's estimated the net present value of each unit is 9,620 New Zealand dollars. So with that in mind, they give it, they've got the constant need to come to replace these assets. So with that in mind, and they contracted 44,000 devices, it kind of drives good revenue over, over a long period of time. So that's a buy. Uh, the buy. looked pretty good. Sales job. Okay. 
What do you think of We the don't company? see the sales chart. Well, <laughs> no, not sales chart, just the chart that we had share price before. Share price, yeah, okay. share price, sorry. Um, <clears throat> look, it's, it's actually, um, the numbers, it's, numbers and so on aren't bad. It's an area that is much harder than people realise. The banks As were dominant. As evidenced by Tyro. EFPOS, this yeah, is for EFPOS, yeah. and then you've got Tyro came in. Uh, I know quite a lot about Tyro. I nearly, I nearly invested in it. I'm, I'm sort of glad I didn't because there was mm. numerous calls on all that uh, at yeah. the time. Um, and I've actually worked in the area, as in I had a business for 20 years that we processed all the loyalty points for banks and okay. so on. I was very involved in it. So I know, the, I know the industry really well. And the thing is, the banks used to gouge the retailers. Then we got, like a tyro came in and said, oh, we can, um, well, first of all, it deregulated, uh, or it got regulated that they, uh, the, um, the banks were controlled on how much they could charge yeah. for acquiring. So they basically took a lot of the profit out of it. So the bank's initial reaction was, oh, this is all too hard, we don't really care. Tyro came on the scene, and then they, they started you know, chewing away, and then all these other players like Square and others, by the way, we've got all the big US players here as well. Uh, my understanding is the banks have changed their attitude now, because what's happened is they see it as being fundamental to the relationship with the bank, because it used to be you, you, you used your bank, whoever you banked with, to acquire your transactions. Mm -hmm. uh, it all makes sense, because it's all all your accounts are linked and so on. You then go and use a third party. You add more complexity in your dealings. But from the bank's point of view, you're weakening their moat because you now have somebody else is providing that and then you get the situation with Tyro then becomes a bank mm -hmm. and then says, oh, we can actually provide you with overdrafts or other facilities which are now in straight competition with the banks. So I don't believe there is... A, and by the way, the banks can sharpen up their pricing to make it uneconomic to go with one of these guys if they want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, at the time. So, yeah. so I don't see them having very strong notes. Maybe their technology is fabulous. Um, Tyro has definitely struggled. It's a very, very tough business. Um, and as I said, you've got Square and the US players. Not that they're necessarily really cheap, but they're, they're ca there's, a no, there's a very low capital entry point for them. Yeah. You're basically signing up for the software and you can use your phone. Well, you know that when you go to a market yeah. on the weekend right. or any sort of really So it doesn't appeal to me. Yeah. So if you go back to the numbers, okay. uh, we're showing it returning about 9% a year. Its return on equity is, is good. Uh, Stability took a big hit during COVID, which, okay, you might give, you give a pass for that. Um, but sales growth running at about 19% a year with pretty good stability, which is not bad. So they obviously are writing business. So I personally, we've never looked at it. It doesn't come up on our screen because of the stability of the earnings isn't good enough, but it's, it's okay, I'll, I'll go hold. Okay, got it. Uh, if you own it, you can hold on to it. Yep. Mesoblast is a company that Gosh, this company is very volatile. So it's um, working, loosely speaking, in stem cell research, and it's always looking for different applications for that technology. And so it really depends on the day, whether you see it up in one of the best performers or the worst performers. They often put update the market on you know, plans for clinical trials, et cetera, et cetera. So this has been picked by Anita. Mark, Misoblast, would you buy it? No. Um, it's look. The oh God, I had my crystal ball. Yeah, I know you knew, you yeah. knew that. So it's a rhetorical question. Yeah. Uh, of course, it, it, it's it's burning through uh, money. Last year, lost 126 million on 100. Uh, sorry, on 14 million in sales, and the sales are going down at the moment. So the sales are trending down. That's not a good sign. At least if sales were trending up, you could start saying, well, hang on. Well, maybe there's a point of crossover where they actually start making money. The products sound fabulous and really great for humanity. And, and you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's wonderful. Um, but they have been distinctly poor at being able to commercialize this to date. Mm -hmm. So I would have to say it's a it's a uh, pass for me. 
Right. I feel like we might be in for some disagreement here. Yeah. It's a spec buy okay. just because we're in a make or break right now. So they're two weeks away from the FDA's decision on their re-stem cell L treatment for yeah. pediatric patients of, honestly, S-R-A-G-V-H-D, which is steroid refractory acute graft versus host disease graft versus host okay so i think it's it's saying that you can get bone marrow transplant of stem cells from someone who's not related to you Mm -hmm. is the way i understood it when i was researching it so we're two weeks away from the fda's decision in the u.s as to whether the request to the stem cell based injectable treatment uh can be used for children so this is literally make or break point for this company. Um, again, as Mark said, they've been burning through a lot of cash. Their sales are going down. Those are definitely negatives. But again, the four, the, um, given this, I'm not going to say the name again, the disease of disorder, um, that it's the survival rate for patient, pediatric patients is almost zero. Uh, there's no treatment in the world out there for it. And the four-year survival rate data from the REM stem cell L, which is Mesoblast product, has been pretty good. It's been 49%. Um, so the long-term survival rate is looking pretty good for those people who fall in that 49%. So understanding all of that together, um, they did submit back in 2020 and they resubmitted in 2023. Um, they've had the fast-track approval process. Uh, so that's why the FDA is just literally two weeks away from announcing this. So it is a spec buy if you want to buy and that's why we've seen a bit of uptick in the share price recently Um, and so it's rallying ahead of this but yeah we're excited to see what's happening it's a spec buy if you want to binary outcome yes Uh, it is literally a binary outcome so make or break okay so that's uh, a view or two views on Mesa Blast for you there Anita okay let's get to Tracy's pick which is La Visa. So a market darling for a very long time. But uh, look, it's just been so tough in small cap retail. And for mm-hmm. a long time, La Visa was sort of immune yes. to this. Not so not so much now, though. Um, no. what, what do you make of it currently? Like what, what the premise of the show is, would you buy it today? Wouldn't buy today, but the long term outlook is buy for Bells uh, with a price target of $32.50. Um, Today I say no because obviously consumer discretionary stocks are taking a big or taking a hit. Certain well, the sector's actually up this year, but certain are taking a hit, and obviously rising interest rates environment. Um, they've also got cost headwinds rising given the wages increase in Australia um, and around the world for that matter. But the company is, uh, it's one of my favorite companies. I love LaVisa. I'm actually a shopper of LaVisa. Um, I've spoken about this with Koshi before and he laughed his head off because he didn't understand why I did it. But it's one of those shops and they have such a high churn rate. So it's one of those shops you don't mind spending $20 for some rings to complement your outfit and they tarnish really quickly. You put them in the bin, you buy more. It's not a piece of jewelry you'll keep forever. And they operate so well in this space. It is incredible. Um, They are really insulated because of this and they target younger demographics. So they're targeting young people who are 16, 17, want to get their ears pierced in store, want to get their first piece of jewelry, um, don't have a lot of money to spend, but have enough money because they don't have cost of living pressures. So their demand is constant. It's always there. 
Um, they have strong revenues, 458 million last year, NPAT of uh, 144 million, paid a dividend of 74 cents per share, which is just incredible, especially in the current space, uh, current high interest rate, high inflationary space. Um, they've got growth runway in the US and they projected the, um, the global store opportunity stands at around 3,250. So put that together with such high demand and that just says the company is set to grow from strength to strength. So, okay, so you're not buying today though, where like mm-hmm. that must, that must assume then that you would think you'll be able to get it cheaper. Uh, kind of. I think at the moment, like all consumer discretion, I'm wary of all consumer discretionary right now. Like the Accent Group is one of my favorite stocks in the ASX and I'm just a bit like, I'm just staying with my stables at the moment. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a personal view, information only, not advice. But yeah, I think the <coughs> long-term growth for LaVisa is I would wait for a little bit of a pullback in the market and wait for reporting season to come out, obviously. I think a lot of investors, like trading volumes in general are down 12% at the moment. So I think a lot of investors are waiting for the August reporting period and reporting season to see how the companies are faring through this environment uh, before making any market moves. So LaVisa is a long-term buy. Um, I think August, I'd be jumping in myself personally. Um, but we'll see how we go. Okay, there you go. Uh, Lavisa, uh, from Team Invest. Uh, yes, yeah, so we're actually looking at it. So it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So um, we haven't actually finished our, our work on it. The things we like about it are uh, Brett Blundy, yeah. who's the uh, founder and the, big, the major shareholder. He's just, he's a, people, don't, people don't know who he is. He's a self-made billionaire mm. in Australia from retail. Retail, yeah. yeah so he's probably, oh, this probably Jerry Harvey's as well, I suppose, isn't he? Are there any other billionaires? Not many. Anyway, mm-hmm. so Sol- he's- Solly Lou. Solly Lou, yeah. but he's done more than, yeah, some yeah. of them, they're more property players too. Okay, yeah. Whereas, yeah, yeah, he, whereas Brett Bellin has been a re- retailer. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so we like that. Uh, it's actually, it didn't have a good COVID. So in COVID, because they were mainly uh, shops mm. where they were shut, so we, you, you give them a pass on that. So if you normalise the earnings through COVID, which is what I would do, um, their growth rate's been over 15, 16% a year average over the long term, EPS, which is good. Um, the debt's up higher now, but that's leases. So they don't have any, I don't think they have any core debt at all. And um, it's on a PE of 34. And Grady's saying she can get you can get a chip. You might. Um, it's at the it's about a bit lower than halfway down the bottom quartile of its PE range. The Vista's had a high PE for a long time. Um, it's usually between forty eight and seventy. Mm. So it's actually thirty four at the moment. Although the earnings aren't down. So the apart from what they're going to report now, on the last period they were uh, they were up. Uh, I don't. I'm not that worried about the consumer cons- 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 mm. discretionary argument because, as you said. It's such small amounts of money. Yeah. I wonder whether they would have any impact at all because it's They're like it's a little stable. treat. I'm having a treat. Yeah. Maybe I won't buy the sandwich. I'll go and buy some jewelry. Yeah. Yes. So. A $13 sandwich in Grand Grew, maybe <laughs> two rings. Exactly. For that. We mean twenty dollars yeah. here, probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you could buy it now if you look at it on. We're showing you returning about twelve percent compound at the moment, but that's also bringing into the fact that their earnings were lower during COVID, so it's discounting it more. Mm. Uh, I think if you bought it now, you'd be happy in a five-year horizon. Mm. Let's put it that way. Um, otherwise, I'd say I, I could say it's a buy or hold. I, I could go either way. <laughs> buy, if- buy. All right, I'm I'm I know. I know. All right, all right, okay, all right. Okay, let's okay. get to number nine on the list. <laughs> that is, I don't know what's gotten into me today. Austell, <laughs> uh, pretty serious stuff for Austell shareholders yesterday. Uh, it was put into a trading halt and then came out with an earnings update, and it was terrible. Uh, you know, it's looking like it will be uh, coming through with a loss, blaming a U.S. shipbuilding, uh, you know, write down incident. 
And so shares are down a further, I think, two percent today. Yeah, pretty close to two percent today. So this is just like the absolute. You know, this is just not what you want to have happen when you're holding a company, especially when you know you've got some positivity comes through with Austral. You get some contract wins.、Mm. Um, you know, talking about、uh, demand for in this current geopolitical environment,、um, and then you just you know the rug is pulled out from under you. So what do you do? This is for Cliff if you're an Austral shareholder. Well, I think the what I think what I'd highlight is the the problem that Austral has. Is that they have very very large contracts, which are complex, and they have had a history of not necessarily、mm. delivering、um, on being able to deliver for the price they quoted.、Mm. You know, you can blame the, the clients well, and whatever. It's very competitive. It's very. It's also see, but, but if you get it wrong, you, you really get smashed. They had one in their earnings. They went into a big loss in two sixteen, which, going on memory, was. Uh, a major they, a super they, yacht they were building. What they was they, well, they lost a big contract,、yeah. and and it、mm. took a while to to find something to fill that hole. I、yeah. know there's more detail to it, but that's it. But the point、nutshell. I'm making though is、yeah. how do you? Yeah, it makes it very difficult for a shareholder、yeah. for this for them to be going into a loss now, and then the share price only going、yeah. down two percent. Uh, I would think. Oh no! But it was down ten and a half percent yesterday.、Okay. So this is day day two as the market digests、mm. that、okay. news. So yeah, big blowout in costs associated with yeah, the US Navy、okay. contract. Yeah, I, just, which, I think it's just too hard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so、uh, uh, and it's a pity because you know they are actually building stuff for the U.S. Navy, and we're actually—it's nice to see some manufacturing in Australia because、mm. we don't have a lot. And they also have a big Arkansas. I actually used to know somebody who worked for Austal、uh, mm. in the states. Oh yeah.、Um, so yeah, just really disappointing. Blaming inflation,、yeah. also you know、mm. inaccurate assumptions.、Um, Management error—that's what that is. Yeah, that's, that's putting a spin on it. In, what is, what do you say? In, inaccurate, inaccurate assumptions. assumptions. Oh, inaccurate assumptions <laughs> from management. Okay. <laughs> so、um, look, it, it is what it is. So you just put it in the two. Oh, I, I would definitely have a. I would be a seller. A seller. Yeah. Still on a thirty PE. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Bells、think? had a hold until, but this was prior to yesterday's announcement.、Um, the outlook was really strong. Again, as you said, it's got it relies on these massive contracts, and if the contracts fall through, then it's no good.、Um, the one thing that's good for the company is that a lot of countries around the world are reassessing their strategic defence spend because、mm-hmm. of the geopolitical tensions rising around the world. So we are seeing investor appetite for defence stocks、uh, gaining momentum, which is a good thing. Well, obviously it's not a good thing, but you're playing into the theme that's. On the government's mind, really,、yeah. um, and the company was set to before now. I don't know what they're set to enter now, but but was set to enter FY24 with a record contract book for、um, obviously contracts of 11 billion dollars with recent contracts with OPCT. Tiagos, I think, and、um, a likely reward of the MS. So those are each a million dollars, but they're significant contracts. And again, like you said, the US contract falling through—that's a couple mil, like. Gone. So, how do you fill that gap? How do you replace the product you'd already bought to go into that contract? So, again, contract work is really hard.、Um, the one thing they will benefit from is the obviously record defence spend globally and the tailwinds in their sector. So, I'm not sure what the rating is. I probably. I don't know. Bell. I'll see what Bell's comes out with after this. Yeah,、um, yeah. There, there'll be plenty of number crunching. Going yeah,、on. they'll be crunching right now. Our analysts will be working hard. And lots hard. of assumptions. A lot of assumptions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But、um, our actual, I know we have a strong buy on drone shield, so that's a defence stock. Oh, that that's, ex- very... that's exciting, though. Oh, it is so、as、exciting. In, not as in、uh, from our point of view, but it's exciting. I read all about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah the how, company is so they're, exciting. They're signing all these deals all over the world. For, exactly. And, and I go, how good's that? A hundred percent. And they're not. They don't have to build their products for the countries. 
use. They've got the products just yeah, ready to go. They're selling a product. They're rolling out, exactly. So that's our defense peak. <laughs> okay, there you go. We've got a, that, I'm gonna call that a bonus buy, shall yeah. we? We've been dry on that front. Uh, is, that, is, it, is it listed? Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Saw the yeah, CEO yeah. the other day. He's a really interesting guy. All yeah. Yes. All right. Yes. Let's get to the lucky last. We're almost out of time, guys. Sorry. Uh, we got carried <laughs> away there. Uranium. So let's go there, shall we? Uh, many false dawns for uranium. Paladin Energy is often named as a pick of the bunch because it's ready to capitalize on any uptick in demand brought about by nuclear renaissance, you could call it. This is from Mike. Hi, Mike. Thanks for writing in. Paladin Energy. Buy, hold, sell. Uh, spec buy because you're playing in the uranium space. It is close to production uh, in Namibia. We did have the sell-off recently because obviously uh, Namibian government speculations were that they were going to follow the Chilean government and take a stake in every single mine in the region. So that's sort of sell-off in uranium mine, well, all miners in the region. Um, again, they've then come out and said that they're not going to do it for anyone who has existing permits. So that really puts Paladin in a good spot because they already have the permit ready to go for the Langer Heinrich mine. Um, it's been on care and maintenance mode since 2018, but again, it's ready to go. Um, 43 million pounds of ox of uh, uranium ready to go at a cash cost of 26 per pound. So understanding all of that, um, we're just waiting for uranium to come back. Uranium has had so many false starts, but with a lot of countries around the world looking to capitalize and looking to turn to the nuclear route, could put uranium ready, ready when we're going. But again, yeah, like it's a spec buy if you want to wait for the uranium. Yeah, um, yeah and I'm going to name drop here. So I had the pleasure of speaking with Guy DeBell, who was former deputy governor of the RBA and obviously very now as uh, yeah. on the board of FFI, Fortescue Future Industries. And mm-hmm. a question came up in this forum about nuclear. Yeah. And his view was that, look, if there was a technology ready to go, it would be amazing, but it's just yeah. such a long runway before nuclear, you know, to our detriment, because of course it would solve a lot of our climate problems. Yeah. Just not ready yet. Uh, Paladin, I just, I did, I just shamelessly name dropped. Yeah. <laughs> Paladin's been um, another 10 year non-performance. From what I can see, it only ever made a profit once, which was a few years ago, made four cents. It's been dribbling along at minus one cent a share loss lately. So it's not burning a lot of money. Mm. Uh, but you know, if you look at their sales, it was 6.5 million last year and they lost 37 million. Um, mm. It hasn't been, you know, from an investor point of view, it's been hopeless. The problem with the uranium thematic is even if we now all say, let's say governments start embracing nuclear, which I don't see how they cannot if they're mm. serious about uh, carbon. I, it's, I, it's, I agree. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's bizarre. Yeah. Even if they do, the, the lead times are. Yeah five years at the year, probably 10, 15 yeah. years, really, uh, maybe 15, 20 years before demand comes up. And the demand is already being met at the moment in the market. And there's stockpiles as well, so of, yeah. of, of uranium and so on, and for, or for um, exactly. yellow cocoa fuel. So I don't know how you'd invest in this, even at a speculative point, to say, I'm going to assume that uranium is going to become a big deal in the future. Mm. I think you have plenty of time to yeah. look yeah. at it later. We'll, we'll have the... We'll have the the news headlines first. And I'm yeah. for it. The announcements, yeah. yeah. I can't like wait it. to see them when they come. Yeah, all right. Let's just run through. Thanks, guys. What Thank we learned, you. smart pay, it's a buy. Uh, on my right, it's a hold for the guys at Team Invest. No moat is what Mark is saying. Just doesn't appeal. Misoblast pass for Mark. But Grady says, specky buy. Watch in two weeks. It's up for some FDA approvals, mm. but a binary outcome. Lavisa. It's a buy for Mark. Uh, he thinks it's really interesting. Team Invest is still doing work on it, but look, uh, it looks pretty positive right now. 
Grady likes this one personally and professionally, but she's just waiting for reporting season to get into any of these discretionary retailers. So long-term buy, we're calling it a hold for today. It's okay, it's already in the portfolio. Uh, and it. And yeah, so we'll just, we won't stress about this double buy thing. Austell, it's a too hard basket for Mark. Sell it. It's a hold. I guess the damage is done, but uh, she's also waiting to see, you know, updated assessments from the brokers on Austell in the wake of that shock downgrade. Paladin, it's an avoid for Mark. It's a specky buy for Grady, and you just heard why. Well, guys, that was a bit of fun. Thank you. Uh, Grady Wolf from Bell Direct and Mark Moreland from Team Invest. Thank Thank you you so much, as always. I hope you guys have a good afternoon. And for all of you who wrote in to make your requests, thank you as well. Thanks for watching. Tell your friends about us. Tell all your your folks out there that you chat to that like stocks as well. They can watch us either live, which you're doing now, or listen to us via podcast or catch up with us at osbiz.com.au. Stay with us. Plenty more to come in the one o'clock. You won't want to miss it.